We're back in Mark chapter 4 today uh, with the story of Jesus calming the storm. And for the sake of context, to kind of set the stage for us, let me go ahead and read again, beginning in verse 35. It says, On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to his followers, Let us go across to the other side, that is, to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And leaving the crowd, they took with him in the boat, they, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. On that day, it says, all of Mark chapter 4 takes place within the course of one single day. Jesus begins that day by teaching alongside the sea, and then as a large crowd gathers around, he hops on a boat, and he continues teaching them from the boat. And if you'll recall from a couple weeks ago, we, we talked about how Jesus' teaching from the boat was itself an object lesson. Because the Bible commonly associates the Israelite nation with the land, and the Bible commonly associates the Gentile nations, all the other nations, with the sea. The Bible commonly associates the Israelite nation with the land, and all the other nations with the sea. We actually had an example of this in our psalm reading today. In Psalm 65, verse 7, the psalmist compares the roaring of the seas and the roaring of their waves to the tumult of the peoples. In the ancient Jewish mind, the the roaring of the sea served as a metaphor for the chaos and commotion of the nations. And this makes sense because from the very beginning, the Jews were not a seafaring people. For them, the sea was like one of their foreign enemies. It was a dark and dangerous thing. Nevertheless, after a long day of teaching, evening comes, night falls, it's nighttime, and Jesus decides he wants to take a minimum, under good conditions, six-hour trip across the Sea of Galilee. Jesus decides that he wants to travel across the dark and dangerous sea into Gentile territory. And verse 36 tells us that other boats were with him. So so this wasn't just Jesus and his 12 disciples. This was a fleet of boats. And I think we're right to notice a, a bit of a warfare theme here. Jesus spends all day talking about the kingdom. He's he's rallying the troops so to speak, and then he leads this convoy of ships into enemy territory, and in Mark chapter 5, as soon as he steps off the boat, he is met with a legion of demons. This is warfare imagery. I think that's very interesting, um, but it has very little to do with this sermon. Let's talk about boats. If you think about it, The New Testament is relatively short, but stories featuring boats are pretty common. The Old Testament, on the other hand, is relatively long, and stories featuring boats are pretty rare. In fact, there's really only two. There's really only two boat stories in the entire Old Testament. You have the story of Noah and the story of Jonah. Our passage today is inviting us, it's begging us 
to compare and contrast Jesus and Jonah. Our passage today is inviting us to see that Jesus is the greater Jonah. We've already read Jonah chapter 1, but, but let me summarize. Jonah was a Jewish prophet, but he was sent by God into Gentile territory. He was called to take the message of God's goodness and grace to a foreign enemy. And Jonah didn't like that idea one bit. And so he hopped on a boat and he sailed in the opposite direction. And while Jonah was asleep on the boat, the Lord sent a storm. And everyone on on board begins to panic. But knowing the storm to be the result of his own disobedience, Jonah volunteers to be thrown overboard. And as soon as he is, the storm subsides and we're told that the crew began to fear the Lord. They, they fear the Lord. Notice that the crew does not go from fear to calm. The crew goes from fear to fear. Their fear of the storm is expelled by an even greater fear. They begin by fearing the power of the storm. They learn to fear the power of God who is Lord of the storm. So with all that in mind, let's read from Mark chapter 4, verse 37. So we have Jesus and this convoy are on the open water. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. For the record, I I think this is a pretty lame translation of what Jesus actually says. Uh, the, The original Greek makes it clear that Jesus is delivering an authoritative command here. Okay, so so this is not a quiet old lady whispering hush. He doesn't say, peace, be still. He says, silence, shut up. And at his command, the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear. And said to one another, who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, there are a number of correspondences between Jonah chapter 1 and Mark chapter 4. Perhaps you noticed some of them. In both stories, the main character gets into a boat headed for Gentile territory. In both stories, a storm threatens everyone on board. And while the crew is panicking, the main character is sleeping. In both stories, the crew members wake up the main character and they begin to question and rebuke him. And in both stories, after the storm subsides, the crew is filled with great fear. But although it's interesting to notice what these passages have in common, the most important thing is to notice how they differ. Whereas Jonah is fleeing the will of God, Jesus is carrying out the will of God. Whereas Jonah is reluctant to go into Gentile territory, Jesus commands it. 
Whereas Jonah is the reason the storm begins, Jesus is the reason the storm ends. Whereas Jonah refuses to call upon the Lord, Jesus is the Lord they call upon. And whereas Jonah has to be delivered from death, Jesus delivers everyone else. In short, Mark chapter 4 reveals Jesus to be so much more than just a greater Jonah. Mark chapter 4 reveals Jesus to be the God of Jonah, the Lord of the storm. A good prophet might have asked God to calm the storm. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus calms the storm himself. And the Bible is clear that only God can do that. God stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples. God rules the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, he stills them. Mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Only God can calm a storm. Only God has that level of agency and control. And this is a very important point for the Gospel of Mark to be making here because this story helps to make sense of what follows. Jesus and his disciples will soon find themselves caught in another type of storm. It's a a raging sea of darkness and death and demons and political schemes and murderous plots. It's going to appear as though Jesus is sleeping on the job. It's going to appear as though Jesus has forfeited that agency. It's going to appear as though Jesus has lost control of the situation. It's going to appear as though Jesus is the victim. But the truth is that all along, Jesus is Lord of the storm. Jesus is in control. He is in control even as he is arrested. He is in control even as he is tried. He is in control even as he hangs upon the cross. You see, on the boat, Jesus calms the storm by exercising his sovereignty over it. But on the cross, Jesus calms the storm by being thrown into it. Again, like Jonah. Jesus calms the storm of sin and death by volunteering to be thrown overboard. And as Jesus himself says in the Gospel of Matthew, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus is the greater Jonah, and Jesus is the God of Jonah. Now, I want to circle back and and notice what the disciples say to Jesus, what what they say to the Lord of the storm in the midst of their panic and anxiety. They say, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? It may sound a bit strange for the disciples to speak to him that way, to suggest that he might not care, but, but really that type of question is all over the Psalms. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? 
Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? Why have you forgotten me? Why do you hide your face? Awake! Why are you sleeping, O Lord? It's perfectly okay to question God in this way. In fact, the Bible teaches us to question God in this way. And the comforting truth in that is that Jesus does not require perfect faith in order to save you. He saves sinners. He saves doubters. He saves people who question his goodness. He saves people who question his care, who question his intentions. You don't have to trust him perfectly for him to save you. So in your doubt, you go to the Lord of the storm. In your anxiety, you go to the Lord of the storm. In your grief, you go to the Lord of the storm. At the hour of your death, you go to the Lord of the storm. But remember, peace Peace is not necessarily the absence of storm. It's true that Jesus has the power to calm whatever storm you're facing, but that doesn't always mean he's going to do it how you want or as soon as you want. True peace is not the absence of storm. True peace is Jesus taking a nap in the midst of a storm. True peace is the fruit of deep faith. It looks like a a settled confidence that no matter what storms may come, the Lord of the storm is in the boat with me. Despite appearances, he does care for me. Despite appearances, he is in control. And so this is a, a, a powerful message for each of us individually, but... This is also a powerful message for all of us collectively as the church. The church is a fleet of boats caught in a mighty tempest, tossed on a raging sea of nations. We appear frail, right? I mean, we appear frail. We appear helpless. And the mission of the church appears unachievable. We appear to be no match for the sea of nations. The waves are constantly breaking into the boat. We are constantly compromised. And so it's very good news to know that the Lord of the storm is in the boat too. His presence in the church and with the church changes everything. He is Lord of the storming nations. He is sovereign over the tumult. Russia is at war with Ukraine. Israel is at war with Hamas. Listen, that's just two of the active armed conflicts in our world today. According to my Google searching this week, There are over 150 active armed conflicts in our world today, this morning. That is the chaos and commotion 
of the raging sea of nations. And of course, there's, there's less violent conflict as well, such as the impending political storm of 2024. Right versus left, conservative versus progressive, Trump versus Biden again. If you are not wondering, if you are not wondering whether God is asleep on the job, if you are not wondering whether Jesus really cares, you're not paying attention. But as Mark chapter 4 reminds us, Jesus is Lord of it all. He will calm the raging nations by the power of his word. He will command the nations to shut up, and they will. We don't need to panic. We don't need to be anxious. The church may appear frail. The church may appear helpless. But with Jesus in the boat, it's the safest place to be. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, God of Jonah, teach us to fear you above every storm. Jesus, thank you for being with us. Thank you for being in the boat with us. Teach us to trust you. Give us, give us faith enough to rest in your sovereign care. Holy Spirit, inspire your universal, international church to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to live as kingdom people until the raging nations are subdued at the word of Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.